a counselor, a coach, and a spiritual director walk into a bar. What comes next is either the greatest punchline of all time or a conversational cocktail that could change your life forever. Jake, Liz, and John are offering you a unique three-way perspective on common mental, emotional, and spiritual struggles. Only you know which perspective you need the most. So grab your favorite beverage, listen in, and decide who you're going to call. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Who You Gonna Call. My name is John Malloy, and I'll be your facilitator for this evening. And I am joined by my podcasting partners, Liz and Jacob, the extraordinaires of counseling and life coaching. And today we're going to be um, diving into some kind of topic that we'll discuss soon enough. But first, we're going to discuss, you know, what are we bringing to the bar stool? So... <laughs> Liz, do you have anything? I don't see anything in your hand. I haven't seen anything yet. I actually do. It's over here. I have some caps out this evening. So this seems um, to be your yeah, go-to. Same, same old, same. <laughs> it is. It always has been since college. Cheap Cabernet Sauvignon is what comes out for me at all times. So it's really very uninteresting. If anybody wants me to just stop commenting, unless I have something different, I can do that too. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> when I bring a margarita, I'll speak there you up. Go. <laughs> It'll bring it out of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll you'll hear that I had a margarita. So well, no. <laughs> so same old, same old. What about you, Jake? Same old, same old. Until Easter, it's gonna be black coffee. Just just black coffee. Has black it gotten coffee? better for you? There's songs about that. Oh, it's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, actually, yeah. it's I'm a I'm a, a coffee snob a little bit. Not. To the extreme, but I mm. definitely uh, can taste a little bit of a difference. Uh-huh. Nice. We get uh, locally roasted coffee, and it comes usually the day it's roasted to my house. Uh, and oh. someone... Whoa, speaking of coffee snobs. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize it until... Yeah, I didn't realize it. It, it creeps it up does, on you, man. Does. Well, I was... <laughs> so tomorrow I've got to get up really early to do uh, a road trip. And I said, I want the fresh coffee tomorrow morning, not the stuff that I was given by someone else some other time. And it has no date where it was roasted. So uh, my, my beautiful <laughs> wife you know, emptied it out. And she goes, wow, that smells a little off. And I go, well, whatever. Coffee smells like coffee. I smell the, the coffee beans. That does not smell a little off. I smell the freshly roasted ones that had just arrived on my doorstep. Oh, heaven was singing. The, the, the skies <laughs> opened up and... I realized I may have a problem. <clears throat> <laughs> do you do you do a French uh, French press as well? No, I do pour over. Oh, oh, oh! I want to do that. That always looks so cool, and it actually looks kind of therapeutic. It is. <laughs> it really is. <clears throat> you actually have to put effort and peace into your coffee yeah. making. <laughs> it's something I look forward to in the morning. Just that swirling and the, watching the bubbles, mm -hmm. and it is very peaceful. Um, Sounds yeah, peaceful. just exists for its own sake. So, but I'm not <laughs> drinking coffee. I am drinking a Manhattan. What are you drinking? Because I felt like it again. again. That was what you did last week. Was it? Yeah, I guess because I, I remember yeah. you were describing you were describing Manhattan's too. Yes. So we're we're all doing the same old same old thing. <laughs> which is stick which to is stick to what you know. Stick to what you know. <laughs> so that's a actually segues very nicely into our topic. I thought we would discuss this evening. And as I was mm -hmm. thinking about um, our different lines of, of thought and uh, professions, 
I know that I've encountered times with direct directees or even in my own direction um, where things are going fine. It's not like, oh, I've, I've got this crisis. I have this thing that I need to work through that's on the negative side of things. Um, nor is it like this celebratory, I've, I've hit the mark. I've done a victory. Let's do a victory lap together. It is just this, well, I showed up. I was faithful to the thing I was supposed to be in. Nothing spectacular happened. It is just the kind of mundane in some sense, just the ordinary and the lackluster blah kind of way. Um, so mm -hmm. I wondered... What do you guys do with that when you have clients uh, who are showing up to your session saying, I've done the stuff, nothing spectacular happened, nothing awful happened, mm -hmm. it just is there. Um, or if you've not had some of those experiences or as many of those, what do you anticipate would need to happen with that kind of session? Okay, I think my initial thought <clears throat> is I've got, I sort of got two thoughts on this. I think one is, I could probably find something. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that I, I heard one of my, the coach who trained me said this one time and I loved it. She was talking about sometimes when um, someone seems to be doing really well and seems to not have struggles to just ask yourself if maybe they're emotionally constipated mm. <laughs> and they just, you know, maybe they're just coping in a numb sort of way. So I think I'd want to dive into that a little bit. But I think the other thing, too, is you can celebrate the ordinariness mm. and just be like, awesome. So we just keep moving forward on this. And, um, you know, because I've had clients come and go, actually, I don't know why I'm here. Like, I don't really have anything to be coached on today. And uh, and I'll say, OK, um, do you have any feelings right now? Just any, any feeling at all. And they'll be like, actually, yeah, I just kind of have just a, like low key anxiety. And I'll go, okay, like, and I'll start emotionally processing. Where is it in your body? You know, and, and we always end up unwrapping just something that's bothering them. And maybe it's super small. Like, well, my husband went to the store earlier and I asked him to pick up this thing and he forgot. And it's just, he just always forgets, you know, and it's just, okay, now we can work through this. But I think there's always something to process, even if it's not dramatic. Hmm. Um, but also I think those are good moments to sit back in peace and look at the other things you've been going through and see, okay, actually now I feel good and I'm clear headed. How do I want to handle those things the next time they happened? You know, I had a woman talk to me one time about how she had been upset with her husband. She wasn't at the moment. And she said, okay, how do I not do that again in the, in the middle of the crisis? And I told her it's too late when you're in the middle of the crisis, you, you make the decision to show up well before the crisis and you do damage control after the crisis. But the best way to handle the crisis is to prevent it. So right now, while we're calm, how are we going to make a plan for the next time the crisis comes? It's just a good time for planning when everybody's calm. Mm. So that would be my initial my initial reaction. Hmm. That's great. Um, what about you, Jake? Are you in that same kind of boat? A little bit. So I'll say this. There have been times, and interesting enough, a lot, of with, a lot more with male clients – Interesting enough. I don't know. Just an observation. <laughs> that um, we'll work on a goal and we accomplish that goal. And they'll come to the sessions with nothing on the table. I usually kind of go through this uh, routine um, of where I would ask, okay, you know, is there any updates or concerns you want to talk about? Um before we dive into what 
kind of the agenda of what we kind of described to to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, the kicker is is that okay, you know, periodically, okay, we I notice a, a pattern to where, you know, a couple sessions already we hit those goals, and now mm-hmm. they're coming in with nothing to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I notice that when I struggle um, mm. to pull, I, I don't say pull teeth. And again, nothing with my clients is pulling teeth. But mm-hmm. when I feel like I'm doing more work than they are, that's a good sign that, hey, things are actually going a good in a good place. Okay. So they're in a good place. I look at time frame to determine success because usually it's okay. You're a good place, but like we need consistency to tell if success has been made, if that goal has been achieved. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's say a month's worth of counseling. They've been coming in. It's consistent, positive mood, positive change, accomplish their goals. Nothing they want to talk about. Okay. Mm -hmm. I notice the sessions are a little bit shorter or at least I end them shorter because there's nothing else to talk about. Go on your way. Okay. So there's two options, essentially, um, is when you find yourself in a good place, you either decrease frequency for counseling. And that lines up with this idea that you're not, you're not supposed to be in counseling forever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so you don't want to create dependency. So it's like, okay, yeah, that's a healthy mm-hmm. uh, transition. Okay. Um. And giving a lot more time in between for life to happen, for them to, like, utilize the skills they've learned. Okay. Mm -hmm. The other part, and this is mostly what I usually find to be the case a lot of times. And again, with my male clients, they're like, yep, I'm good. See ya. I'm like, cool. (laughs) Awesome. Good for you. (laughs) Not to say that they don't have any other stuff to work on, but I think they're very categorical. You know, they, uh-huh. they like to keep things in categories. So it's like, hey, they came for this specific problem and this specific problem only. And so when they only accomplish that, they're good. Even though there may be other problems that they are not aware of or they don't want to mm-hmm. talk about. It's like, okay. That's that's the client's choice. But most often than not, if someone's doing really well, I do kind of this idea of uh, a, a, a search and destroy mission. <laughs> We need to go farther into the unknown. I don't. I have this mindset that you're only learning tools, and you succeed and heal in order to change, to turn over the chapter, and start a a new narrative. So, and I and I and I, from my experience already, I've seen that. Yeah, you don't want to create dependency, and yeah, you're not supposed to be in therapy forever. But there's a lot of suffering going on in your life. There's a lot of chaos. Mm-hmm. And you know what? 50 minutes, 53 minutes is not enough to really go into depths. And so, like, it does take time. Clients who stick around for a year or two, I find to be the most achievable in their goals because they took, they had that time frame to do the work. All that to say, going back to my original thought, when we're doing well, it sets us up for the next adventure. And so I help them search out that next adventure. And a lot of times, it's helping them to notice any resistance or fears. I'm like, 
Mm-hmm. We gotta go with this fears, you know, and we gotta go with this resistance. And you know what? Turn turn over enough rocks, contemplate a little bit more. There's gonna be resistance. Life life is life throws too many curveballs for you to be in a good place for a long period of time. It, at least in my experience and what I've seen is that to go a year's worth of ordinary time and things are great, I'm not going to buy that, you know? And so we we kind of set that up. And again, not to say you, we, we have to um, always be in this treacherous, you know, the mess of all the time. I think what I value most is when we achieve goals and, and my clients achieved um incredible healing we celebrate the crap out of that you know like we mm-hmm. not that we have dance parties but man oh man we we laugh um i get really excited i get really jumpy i've had many clients who like would get engaged and i'll be like freaking out and i would spend like a whole session like talking about the engagement and talking about mm-hmm. that Aww. joy and everything else so it's not to say yeah we gotta keep everything like gloomy we do celebrate and it's important to celebrate, but it's mm-hmm. also important to not stay still. And maybe that's kind of the kicker is we got to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. We're so, so let me ask you this. You, so, yeah. you mentioned you noticed with, with men, it's kind of that, I guess, box mentality. I remember, <clears throat> I think yeah, it was, I was so fascinated by it that. Some, <laughs> it was some kind of, there was a comedian that talked about how men's and women's brains are different. And for women, their brains are like spaghetti and that everything is connected and whatever. But men, it's, this is the box. I'm in the, you know, I don't know, waffle. I'm in the, I'm in the breakfast box. Yeah. I'm in the, this is the problem that needs to be tackled box. I'm in the nothing box. Like each thing is its own well-defined box. And so it sounded like um, you were saying that, you know, with men, they are in this, I have this one problem. I need you to help me fix Jake. Um, do you experience that with women as well for those clients that, that you might have, or are you seeing a differences in men and women in approaching ordinariness? I think it's how they approach therapy and the therapeutic relationship. I think for men, for some men in particular, let's say, and I would throw this to you, Liz, in the context of temperaments that like different men, like Philomatic men, psh, they're coming in and they're going out. Anyway, all, yes. all the f- if they come in yeah. at all, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, all the better. Um, the men who who mm-hmm. do come in is like, okay, we accomplished this goal, but let's, you know, I want to keep going. You know what I mean? Like those are the high driven, high you know motivated clients. But I think women, and again, mm-hmm. this is my observation. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this, Liz, in in, in regards to like mm-hmm. your perception of. <laughs> therapy and even like coaching but um they see it as a, a context a contextual level of like relationship and it is and i and it's something i value it, it is mm-hmm. a therapeutic ethical relationship as a companion to mm-hmm. you know a, a a a someone on a journey but it's still real and mm-hmm. still human you know two human beings mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i think there's a certain level of like yeah i've accomplished my goals and there may be some other things I want to work on, but I'm finding that I'm being seen, um, I'm being heard. Um, it's mm-hmm. a safe be- place for me to open up. Yeah, I'm gonna keep going mm-hmm. because of that. Mm-hmm. Let's say mm-hmm. incentive, whether or not they're mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that green, right, the ordinary time, or they're in that Lenten or Advent. You know, they mm-hmm. they see the the process differently. 
Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. So Liz, I was going to kind of piggyback on what Jacob was going to ask you to do or did ask you to do. With the temperaments, how does this ordinariness look for each of those, each of those temperaments? Oh, that's a good how do they question. handle this? That's like, a- and I'm just, I'm just moving along. I mean, from, from, you know, I'll start with the phlegmatic cause it's the most obvious. They, they live in ordinary time hmm. just permanently, you know, they're just very laid back people. They don't, they don't share drama, hmm. you know, they just, you know, they, now that's not to say that they, they don't feel things deeply, but they are all about peace and they are all about maintaining the status quo, whatever their comfort is, even if their comfort is uncomfortable, hmm. you know, I'll tease women sometimes that, you know, phlegmatic men love a routine. What if your husband's part of his routine is your temper tantrums? You know, like Interesting. he's just like, and she's, she's due to be mad at me now. And now she'll be mad at me and I'll sit through it and then we'll move on from there. You know, like, and it's just a question. I don't officially know that, but it's a question to ask yourself. Is your losing your temper part of your husband's daily routine or weekly routine or whatever? And he just accepts it and rolls with it hmm. versus like, again, with the choleric, I think cholerics, uh, they get bored. They want to achieve, they want goals, you know? So they're, they're looking for that next. Well, well now I need to work on this. Well, now I need to work on this. So I think uh, I've noticed that the people who most commonly come for coaching are cholerics and melancholics because mm. melancholics are looking for perfection and cholerics are looking for the next goal to achieve. Mm. So for them, uh, you know, again, the melancholic probably more likely to worry that they're missing something if they're too comfortable, if they're feeling peace, like, well, maybe, maybe I've forgotten something. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I need to dig deeper. Well, maybe this is a problem. Like maybe they'll start pulling out something from the past. I I get a lot of spiraling with women where it's like, we work through, like, even in one session, we'll work through a whole thought. We'll be making progress. They'll see a way out and then they'll go, yeah, but man, that thought, that thought was hard because this came up and then this happened. And that's why I had that thought. And actually I'm seeing this evidence too. And suddenly we're back at the beginning and I'm like, no, 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 we were making progress. (laughs) Don't go back there. (laughs) But they have so much evidence for the thing that they brought to the table that they want to keep re-explaining it to me. But this is why I thought that. And I'm like, yes, but we already talked about how that's not serving you. And we came up with this beautiful thought that you were super excited about for like five minutes. Can we go back to it? You know, and I do it. It's, I think it's a very feminine way to look at your problems. Again, everything's connected. Everything has meaning. And you know, you've got this thought or this belief memorized in your body. Like it's just your, it's, you know, I thought I did this to myself recently. I thought I had worked through something months ago and I was so proud of myself. And then a situation came up and triggered it. And I got this like rush of resentment and anger and fear and, and, sadness and all these emotions. And I was like, Oh, I just hadn't been triggered lately. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't had to deal with it. So I thought I dealt with it and I hadn't, and now I have to, you know, but again, everything's connected. Right. Uh, the sanguine, the sanguine, that's interesting. I think sanguines would probably get bored with ordinary time because they like things to be fun and sparkly. Um, but at the same time, they're more likely to be optimistic. So they also might just be celebrating the win Mm. that, Hey, everything's great. This is like, this is my like wheelhouse. This is where I live. You know, like I want it to be sparkly and fun. And this is, at least there's no drama right now. I'm just thriving. But again, I actually haven't coached a lot of sanguines. I mostly coach cholerics and melancholics. And I think they're just, you know, and, and ironically, not ironically, maybe it's, you know, makes a lot of sense is most of the saints have choleric or melancholic personalities Mm -hmm. uh, because they have drive and they have the desire to reach the perfect. Mm -hmm. So so anyways, that's my, 
What's my two cents on that question? That was a fun question. Thanks, guys. Interesting. How about you, John? <laughs> so I'm thinking, well, hmm. I've been actually listening to you, not like processing, what am I going to say next? So pardon, pardon <laughs> me. <clears throat> um, there are a couple of examples where I have either my, I'll speak for myself first, as a directee myself, hmm. where there have been times where it is just, there absolutely is nothing left um, on my end. And uh, my director will be very patient and just gently ask other questions. They're not really going on the search and destroy path. Like Jacob, it sounds like you go like, okay, there's gotta be something here, but just like gently <laughs> seeing what else there is. Like I remember it was uh, sometimes this question about, um, you know, the, the season coming up. Have you considered what you're going to be doing for Lent or for Advent? Um, or is there anything else going on in your, in your life? Or anything that's coming to the surface right now? Because one of the things mm -hmm. with uh, spiritual direction is you may not have brought anything into it. Or you may think you're done. And then just allowing that pause and that what may feel like awkward silence to be present. Holding the space. And then asking, what are you thinking? Or what's arising in your heart and then as the directee, being faced with that decision, am I going to say this thing that just popped out of nowhere? And then allowing the director to, to work through that. So on the direct, as directee, mm -hmm. I've experienced that I really have nothing more to present. Mm -hmm. It's been like, you know, five minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every, every time, every time I say I'm fine, Father Boniface says, how's your prayer life? And I'm like, well, I was fine until you spoke <laughs> <Right>. up. <laughs> Yeah. Now, as director, that's where I've I've got to be very careful how I'm poking and prodding, because mm. there can be this mm. there can be this mentality that, at least for me, I want to avoid. Where there's got to be something to seek and destroy. There's got to be something wrong that we have to handle. Um, oh yeah, you had this great celebratory moment. Terrific. Let's move on and find something else awful. And. <laughs> there can I found that there's this there can be this temptation um, for me to not celebrate the win, not sit in the grace and the the consolation of this particular moment, whether it's there's a victory or um, or that the ordinary growth is happening in small and silent ways, um, but to then go after and make you think of maybe the negative thing. Um, mm. So that's a tension that that I personally kind of hold sometimes, but there are other times where it seems like there's nothing, but there is something supernatural, supernaturally, like it is the Holy spirit, like poking me on the shoulder going, there's more. You need to ask some more questions. Sometimes I wish the Holy spirit was like telling me which questions to ask, but that doesn't always <laughs> happen, but there is just something still yet to be revealed. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. and so it is that kind of like both of you had said, it's that gentle prodding, questioning, digging a little bit deeper, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe just having an open question of mm -hmm. like my spiritual director has done with me, you know, how else is, how else is life or, um, mm -hmm. returning to another thing that's been shared at another session. Uh, how is that going? Um, mm -hmm. so it's very, it, it's like a dance yeah, an on the spot dance. There's mm -hmm. not a lot of preparation but it can well, be a scary mm -hmm, spot to be mm -hmm. in 
too. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, I think that could be. Yeah, a, it feels so vulnerable. Well, that, and there's the kicker. I think that's a great place to be. And I don't think it's, it's planned. And honestly, that Pope, it really comes, and sometimes I think the change comes to you, right? So, like, okay, yeah, like, <laughs> and I think it's a cleric in me. It's like, yeah, let's try to destroy. But it's more of that, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, you know, let's just notice, let's just see what's going on, okay? Mm-hmm. And actually, there's been a few times where, like, it's been kind of, like, flipped where... So, obviously, just a disclaimer for all of our viewers. You know, any stories we tell, it's, like, very vague. And, you know, well, we, we do make mm-hmm. effort to keep our clients' confidentiality and identity, like, sacred um, and mm-hmm. cons- uh, hidden. So, obviously, um, just want to put that out there because... There's been many, there's been a few occasions where a few of my clients over the past couple of years um, would be doing well and in particular would come to me. And uh, I remember, I remember this one, one experience where she came to me um, and she said, Hey, I think, you know, based upon treatment, like, I think I'm doing good. Can we go to like one, like once a month? Or something like that. I don't. I don't remember. Um, I was like, "Yeah, let's do it," you know. <laughs> and then she, and then I noticed something, and I noticed in her affect, her face, that like something was off. So I asked. I said, "What? What's going on? What's going on?" And now, keep in mind, one of the things I love about counseling is the here and now, because that's so much, so much, so much is happening in between the therapist mm-hmm. and the client. And she shared with me how she was afraid of telling me that she wanted to go and decrease, you know, decrease her time with me uh, because she was anxious as to like how I would respond. Now, I, that's not indicated that like I respond negatively to people, so it wasn't like <laughs> that. But there was kind of this indication that like almost a fear that I like she didn't matter. You know, and so and, and mm. so it's interesting because like I, I emphasize like look, like your prognosis prognosis, like your treatment is, is on core, on point. I agree as your as your therapist, yeah, we'll go down to like once a month, that's fine. Um that's not to say though that I won't miss seeing you more regularly. Like I've mm-hmm. enjoyed our conversation, mm-hmm. like I enjoyed working with you. Mm-hmm. Um and there's some resistance there, um, because she couldn't she she had to learn through a few sessions afterwards how to accept that like she meant something to someone hmm. um and so it's just it was just kind of unique that like she was doing great she was hitting on the marks um and she made the decision to want to kind of decrease and how that brought up mm-hmm. uh, a new way of of exploration um hmm. that was kind of unique and so it does. I like the word dance, John. I, I like that because it really is mm-hmm. a a dance, and I think it's. <laughs> I'm trying to think. It's like okay, you know, as a, as a as a metaphor, you know, <laughs> we do not dance with our clients or <laughs> our directory, <laughs> but we do seek and destroy. No, I. <laughs> yeah, that's so much better. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I had a couple of things that you guys made me think of. Um, one is um, I was thinking, you know, as you guys are talking about times where clients aren't 
you know, in real distress or they don't really know of anything they need to work on. I think there's just value to in maintenance. And I, I want to clear, you know, go back to what Jake said. Like my goal is for you to eventually, um, put me out of business. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't want to coach anybody forever because I want people to find their, you know, be able to coach themselves Mm -hmm. and to be able to move forward without needing, you know, that, relationship forever. Like that's freedom. Freedom is, you know, you got the help you needed and you know how to move forward and you have the tools. But I also see value in, um, the maintenance and the accountability in the relationship because I've had the same spiritual director since, I mean, our first meeting was in 2010. And so it's been quite a few years at this point. And just that I have someone who knows me so well And so even if we go months without talking, I know that if I set up an appointment with him and just check in, he knows me and he knows my heart and he knows my relationship with the Lord and he knows what questions to ask. And he knows when I'm speaking out of conviction and when I'm dancing (laughs) around something (laughs) and he can, you know, he can guide me in a way that no one else could without that kind of maintained relationship. So I think there's a both and I think there's definitely a time where you can look at it and go, I'm good. And you know, your therapist or your spiritual director, or your coach go, yeah, you are awesome. Go like be well, Hey, send me a Christmas card sometimes, you know? But then I think there are other times where there's value and being like, you know what? Like, I just want to know that I can check in, even if it's six months from now and just be like, I'm kind of struggling with this. Can we talk? And it's like a one-off and then you know, I'll probably be good for another year. You know, just knowing that you have somebody in your back pocket can sometimes just make you feel safer and make you feel like I'm going to stick with this plan because the next time I talk to them, I don't want to tell them. Actually, I haven't done that, you know, in years. Mm-hmm. Like I, I let that go because, you know, I remember it's a silly analogy, but I remember uh, when I was a little kid, there was a priest who uh, his, his um, penances and confession were um, the first penance, if you would go like weekly, for instance, because we always went weekly as kids uh, with my with my dad and my mom. And uh, the priest would say, um, okay, for your penance, I want you to read just one page of the Bible. And you'd be like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then the next week you go and he'd say, are you still reading your Bible? And you'd go, yeah. And he'd go, okay, I want you to add a page of the catechism. And you'd go, okay. <laughs> and then the third week you'd go and he'd say, okay, you're still reading your Bible and your catechism? Yeah. Okay, now I want you to add a page of the lives of the saints. Okay. And then the fourth <laughs> week you would go and he'd say, you still reading your Bible? No. You still reading your catechism? No. You still reading the lives of the saints? No. Okay. Do you want to start over? Okay. <laughs> but like that was his routine. Like he want, he didn't want to just give you five our fathers and move on with your life. He was trying to get you to build your knowledge and your relationship with the Lord and with the saints. And so there was that, that concept of maintenance and continuing to move forward. So I just want to, anyways, that's just something I thought of as you were talking about, you know, we don't want you to need anyone forever, but we can see the value of you know, the accountability. So there's a, a distinction I wanted to maybe on the spot think out. What is the difference for each of you between the maintenance, the healthy maintenance and the coasting? Because it feels like there is hmm. there's a subtle distinction or nuance between those two. Maintenance is you're, you're doing, I don't even know how to articulate it right now because it's just coming off the top of my head. Um, but do you see we're external processors here? That's why we have a podcast. <laughs> exactly, and everyone gets to be with us on the show. So true. Really, we're just guys. It's... We're just trying to figure out what we yeah. think, and <laughs> you're just having to listen. <laughs> but but do you guys do you guys see that difference between coasting and yeah. maintenance? And yeah. how would you venture into articulation? And I'm going to throw it to Jake because I I feel like he would get us warmed up 
at this moment. <laughs> nah, so I was gonna. And he's like a he's like he's all professory and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> According to the science. According to the science. Well, I was gonna th- I was gonna ask you, John, to start that off because I know that I can sometimes cram <laughs> on. <laughs> I I am thrilled that nobody thought of me. I'm just gonna sit here with my wine and let you guys just figure this out for me. <laughs> <laughs> you were just talking, so you know it's called mercy. <laughs> awesome <laughs> for <right>. everyone else. <laughs> oh, it's true. Talking's my best thing. It's like I, I could win prizes at this. All right, so okay, one of you boys answer that question. All right, so I'll blabber on while you guys, you know, think of your your well thought out responses from from the linguist and the life coach and the the uh, counselor, the spiritual director will just be one with the Holy Spirit in mm-hmm. the tongues of the Holy Spirit. Um, <laughs> no offense to any charismatics out there. You instantly win there. <laughs> Instantly, Jake and I are like, please answer this well, because we have way less, way less street cred than you right now. Oh, God. You've got the Holy Spirit. I've got some books. <laughs> oh, gosh. So I guess uh, I would, with coasting, there seems to be no effort in it. There's no intentionality. It is just floating along. There's a feeling of um, coasting, sailing, just leisure nothing nothing no effort is being exerted it seems like um Mm. whereas maintenance it it feels like there's there's an effort to keep something moving going um and and that that seems there seems to be a a more healthy aspect to that Mm -hmm. because you recognize there's something good that needs to be kept and needs to be kept going and there are certain things that need to happen so for instance you know for an air conditioner there's maintenance that needs to happen. It's so funny. I was going house. I was yep. going house in my head. I was like, it's renting versus owning. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. There's lots of analogies here. Uh-huh. I'll just call the landlord. I'm not dealing right. with this. Well, yeah. And with that, there's a certain mentality of I don't care in some sense of how I treat this thing because it is not mine in some sense, um, unless you're a responsible mm-hmm. adult. And take responsibility for that. But I was thinking like with with mm-hmm. the air conditioning unit, there's maintenance that you have to do. Mm-hmm. You have to put in new filters or else it will mm-hmm. tax the, the motor and then it will die. Um, but if you don't do that maintenance, there is that little bit of effort. If you just coast and just don't care in something, maybe care is part of that too, effort and care, um, it will end up dying. So like in the spiritual life, maintenance may look like that just I am showing up to prayer there is no, perhaps there is no feeling of the closeness of God. Perhaps it is dry, but I am showing up because I must, and I know I must be faithful to my, to my spiritual life that I have laid out for it. That long, slow road of faithfulness, not the feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, that is different than just, I guess, not even acknowledging that you're showing up offering that to the lord out of habit like there's an intentionality in something well and i almost think i think the spiritual life is a good way a good place to start with this question because i'm thinking about times where i think i've gone to spiritual direction waiting for my spiritual director to tell me what god wants me to do mm-hmm. so i don't have to figure it out 
I don't have to worry if I, if it goes horribly wrong, I can kind of like point <laughs> be like, well, it's his uh-huh. idea, you know, like there's a lack of ownership to coasting where it's just like, I need you for emergencies to fix it for me because I'm not doing the work in between necessarily versus the times where again, in spiritual direction, I think the most interesting thing about the spiritual life in general is that the more deeply you get into the spiritual life, the more you uncover a new stage that doesn't look, I'm starting to read in the interior castle by um, St. Teresa of Avalon. I think about those, you know, those, those seven mansions and how, you know, the more you read, the more you, there's like these new challenges in each mansion. So it's not, there's some level of maintenance, like you said, like continuing to show up when prayer is dry. That's like part of your process into the faith. And we see that in the saints where they kind of talk almost more negatively about themselves, the more holy they become because they keep unlocking new, like, oh my gosh, like I still have this weakness or this thing is hanging on. Like I should be beyond this, right? Like you almost hit this level where you're like, you're like, you know that you're a sinner and then you get into like spiritual pride land when you start to kind of figure those sins out and then you have new sins and you're trying to deal with those. So I feel like the maintenance factor is like you're in one spot for a while and then suddenly you get to this new level and you're like, Oh, I actually have more things to work on because I stuck to that, that previous level long enough versus like, again, that coasting where it's like, I'm going to keep showing up to spiritual direction, but I'm not really working on things in between. Mm -hmm. I just want my spiritual director there to kind of take responsibility for my spiritual life so that they can like fix my crises as they come. But other than that, I'm not, Mm -hmm. not really invested. So I don't know. Now, that what was about like, in, that's what I was thinking as you were talking. Now what about in coaching? That is there a distinction you would see and feel in someone who's coasting versus someone who's maintaining? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I see more coasting with people who are in actual like crises when it comes to coaching. Because like hmm. I'll see people struggle, but they're sort of staying in spiral worlds and in worry worlds. And they're not being, they're not dropping that baggage and moving to the next stage. We're just staying here. Mm. So I'll continue to coach somebody on the same thing over and over. And I'm like, okay, like at some point we either have to move past this or coaching's not working. Mm. And that's fine. If coaching's not working, we can move on to something else. But we can't live here forever. We need to, I need to see some movement, some progress. And that's when you were talking about wins. I actually really like, I don't always remember to, but I really like to ask my clients for wins at the very beginning of a session. And then after their session, I'll send them notes about everything we talked about. And I have a whole section for wins and I write down every single win. So they see it on paper. Like we, we noted this, you had a great you had a great month. Like you did wonderfully. But anyways, you know, so a lot of the time for me, I don't see coasting in ordinary time per se, but I see coasting when they're struggling Mm -hmm. because they're like, I want to talk to somebody about this and I want to process this over and over, but I don't necessarily, for whatever reason, I can't move forward. Mm -hmm. And you know, that becomes the moment where I'm like, why can't we move forward? What's going on? Yeah. Interesting. Wow. I, um, Mm -hmm. a, I don't necessarily see coasting in therapy. I'll get to why, mm. but B, if I do, and just like your observation with that, Liz, is what are you avoiding or what are you numb to? Mm. You know, mm. mm-hmm. um, because we can avoid a lot. We can dissociate a lot <laughs> and we may think it's fine. 
and there's an acronym for that, and I want to pull it up, and it's uh, I want to put it in my sign. But like when people say I'm fine, no, you're not. That's freaked that out, is. insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mark Wahlberg taught me that. <laughs> no, not Mark Wahlberg. Yes, Mark Wahlberg. Is the Italian job Mark Wahlberg? Why yes. can't I remember? I'm so embarrassed. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so here's the here's the reason behind why I don't get a lot of coasters. Maintenance, yes. And again, going back to that ordinary time, it's like, yeah, I'm always going to be here. I'm not going to go anywhere. So, like, mm. take a hiatus. Like, come mm-hmm. back if you need a checkup. As we do with doctors, mm-hmm. or what we're supposed to be doing with doctors, I guess, uh, with dentists, or, you know, <laughs> ideally, right? This is all ideal. Again, they're a crisis right. for me. <laughs> My tooth is falling apart. What happened? Right. I don't. I don't right, know. Right. I haven't been here in seven years. <laughs> if, you made, if you had maintained things all along, that wouldn't have fallen apart. Right. <laughs> right. But Oops. The, the orientation is this, though. And it really is an orientation of the difference between, like, coasting and maintenance is what we do. What are we doing? Right. What are you main, maintain, maintaining? What are you preparing for? Maintaining, maintaining for. Well, but what are you maintaining for to perform? But mm. to perform in what capacity? To perform a job that's reliable and consistent no matter what. And that includes when it's really, if you're talking about air conditioning, when it's really, really hot out, mm-hmm. you know, for mm-hmm. a heater. It's like for when it's really, really cold out, mm-hmm. you know. You depend on, let's say, that that tool to work in the tough times. So you maintain mm-hmm. to prepare for the tough times. And yeah. maybe if we find ourselves coasting, and it's interesting, but I think I made this observation to my students today in, in my class, Theology of Healing, about the prospects. <laughs> you throw that, that out, I, Professor. You're so cool. I use stories, okay? It was the story that I'm making. I love, I love this story. Dude, if I had taught a college course today, that's all I would have said every other sentence. I walked on the moon. In my class today. In my class today. I walked, I walked on the moon. All I'm saying, in this exploration with these students, we came across... We're starting to enter into conversations about like what is suffering, and I made the observation that mm. maybe, maybe suffering is there to keep us on our toes, to bring us closer to God. I, I was, I guess that's what that's what I was doing. I was trying to emphasize that we have to learn how to identify and ask questions to then not expect direct answers. Rather, we have to wrestle with the answers of the greatest, you know, of the depths of our heart, especially when it comes to suffering and healing. And I mentioned that observation that, like, maybe God allows suffering so that we can wrestle with him, Mm. so that we can come in contact with him. And so in the context of healing, right, in, in counseling anyways, is that if you're coasting, it's because you're not, you're not suffering, you know? And that's why I said I don't work with coasters because people who come to me are people who are suffering. And so therefore they are actively, mm. not whether they're willfully activating working on it or they're resisting it, which is fine, okay. But that 
suffering cultivates the necessity to move, to work, and then to maintain. You know, and so even let's say we're in the green time, to think that you won't experience any turmoil or suffering is very naive for you to then coast. But to say, look, I'm in a good place. Things are going well. And yeah, maybe I can look at the horizon, look for the unknowns, and let's turn the page to the new chapter and, and conquer another mountain. Well, hey, let's just maintain this until life throws something at me. Either way, you're going to experience suffering. Mm. That's a reality. And so it's mm. in your best interest to have either maintain, right, or to do the work, or mm -hmm. to have maintenance when in the good times, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I do get very abnant about the concept of not coasting. If you're coasting, either you're avoiding or you're numb or you're naive to think that life is just going to give you roses and you're going to be just fine. Um, mm -hmm. And you're going to get hit with a tidal wave and you're going to be in a worse spot What's, you're going to be worse off if you would have maintained a certain level of preparation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's something that we, we struggle with in the United States in general, probably the world in general, is there's an emphasis on it. Like, it's almost an, ex an expectation for things to go really well, and then we're sort of outraged when they don't. And I was thinking the other day, not in a pessimistic way, but just honestly, wouldn't it be so much better sometimes to have the opposite expectation that like, because then you might prepare, you know, if you had an expectation that suffering's going to come mm -hmm. and it's going to be a good chunk of my life is going to be suffering. Even if it's like, let's call it 50% of the time I'm going to be suffering and 50% of the time is going to be good. Then I could sort of be joyfully surprised by the good stuff and really like just indulge in it and appreciate mm -hmm. it instead of being like, oh my gosh, this is just, you know, it's funny. Even my husband and I were just talking today about why there's no such thing as zero star reviews, hmm. that there has to be that at least one yeah. star. And, and I said, well, is it because that's actually more honest that most of us have never had a zero star review experience in life? We've had a this is primarily horrible, but here's the way someone was super generous through it. Here's the way someone, you know, helped me emotionally. Here's the way I saw God in this. Like there's always, even in the worst experience, there's something, even if it's just the decor was pretty in this place, like <laughs> there's something that was, that was good. And we're just not trained to necessarily look for it. We're trained to emphasize how horrible it was and that we're so shocked that it happened to us and then to wallow or to try to make ourselves numb. You know, I mean, I for sure know, like I have a pretty good life guys, but I still like find the days where I'm like, I refuse to feel my feelings. I'm going to listen to really loud music and eat brownies. Like <laughs> just, I am I'm not doing human feelings today, <laughs> you know, but I know objectively like, okay, that's because I'm distressed in some way or that, that like life has fallen short of the expectations or my hopes. There's a, there's a little girl inside of me that's really hurt right now about yep. something and I need to talk to her later. Yep. But you know, right now I'm just, like you said, I'm just coasting, but it's not, it's not a good thing. Mm. It's just a numbing thing. I think, um, I think Liz, I'm going to just kind of take that 
last piece of couple minutes there and just like, play it for my class. So I think you, I think you, I think you've you've stumbled onto something, and this is gonna be this is gonna kind of blow a, uh, into like a whole new discussion for a later episode. But like, <laughs> I think you you've 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 touched on a lo- a clue into what is healing and what is a meaningful life. And that's the difference between mm-hmm. seeing things pessimistically that like life is all suffering and right. all boo-hoo. But to anticipate right. that suffering is a reality to which you cannot escape. Mm-hmm. So either you can mm-hmm. fall victim and stay there or you can find mm-hmm. meaning in it. And through that exploration and question and seeking, you find that meaning to which then you find joy, peace, happiness, Mm -hmm. to which leads to that healing. So I don't know. There's there's something there. Mm -hmm. As you were saying that, what came to mind is Jesus throughout the Gospels is talking about his own suffering and death and his promise to his disciples is not, hey, you're going to be rich, famous, and have all the pleasures of the world. It's, (laughs) no, you're going to suffer and die. That's just yeah. how that's going to work. Take up your cross and follow me. And it is that, yeah. I guess, facing reality. And even in the early church, remember, oh man, your death. Um, and the martyrs and the saints. I've got memento mori right we, in front of me on the wall. See, <laughs> <laughs> like the very, it's a very Catholic thing to look at death, look at suffering in the face and go, I know you're coming and that's yeah. okay. Bring it on. I got a stronger one yeah. in my side. As opposed to what's up, danger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as opposed to this, I guess American culture, since we're in that, of avoiding it or masking it or veiling it, we need to, I guess, stare it in the face and say, "What's up? Here I am." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because honestly, I mean, objectively speaking, if you look at the people, the faithful people, you know who have suffered the most. They tend to be the most beautiful mm. and the most. Like the ones you want to be, they've just got the most lovely outlook and they're, they just have a glow. Mm-hmm. There's just a glow. That's why, and, that's literally yeah. what I said this morning. I told them, I told my students, <laughs> like the most saintly people you ever met have been through the worst tragedies. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. There's, there's a correlation. There is a correlation. It's just they mm-hmm. found the tools, they asked for the grace. And they put in the work yeah. to heal from yeah. that tragedy. Yeah. But you know what it is? It's it's that flower. It's that flower analogy that like we're all little seeds and we've got this hard outer coat, right? And then we have to be put into the dark and left and forgotten and alone and scared. <laughs> and that's where life happens. That's where like, you know, all the elements hit us and mm-hmm. you know my my dad my dad one time said oh, I hope he doesn't listen to this I probably just want to be quoting him on this my dad one time says I'm a mushroom they leave me in the dark and throw crap on me <laughs> and in the silence but you know like but in the silence and then all of a sudden there's this vulnerability of the flower and it's not sturdy and it's it's very vulnerable and but it's beautiful and it blossoms and and everybody notices it and i just think that that's suffering done the way the lord and and even just the lord himself like we tend to focus on his suffering but i was reading in the read of god recently how they were talking about like 
we never talk about how God delighted fully in life, that he, he had all the human emotions, but he had them more intensely than we did because sin makes us numb. So we can't even feel our despair or our pain or our suffering the way Christ could. He feels it more deeply and more intensely, but that also means he felt his joys and his delights more deeply and more intensely. So the fullness of Christ's life, if you look at it, you think, I want that. I want to be able to suffer intensely, but really well, and then feel joy intensely Mm. and really well. Like, you know, it's just, anyways, there's just, there's, it's a both and, and it, it makes for such a, just a beautiful life and a beautiful legacy to leave behind. Mm -hmm. So it, it looks like we're coming up on time. So in these last like few minutes that we have, what one takeaway do you have from your, your vantage point as a life coach, as a counselor, and then me as a spiritual director? And I'll uh, kick it over to Liz. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Oh, my goodness. I think I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of something that Jake said, and I'm going to quote my spiritual director. So I feel like I'm just getting everybody here. Um, <laughs> the union of it all. The union of it all. Um, I just remember one time uh, struggling with trusting the Lord and told my spiritual director, I like I went through something really scary and I was really struggling to trust the Lord. And he said, you don't learn to trust the Lord in the middle of the scary moment. You learn to trust the Lord when everything's calm. So if everything is peaceful and everything feels good and you don't have mind drama and you don't need a therapist and you don't feel like you need to go to spiritual direction, then practice who you want to be the next time something hard comes up. Start practicing being that man or that woman who stays calm or who, t- who just leans into the Lord really hard when something hard comes up. You know, just who do you want to be the next time something triggers you? Practice now because by the time the trigger happens, it's too late. Practice now, work on it, and by the time it comes, you'll be ready. Hmm. That's beautiful. Wow. I like that. Thank you. Jake, your turn. To <laughs> um, just, just, just to go back to what I said originally is if in your good place, if you're in a good spot, right, um, and you notice maybe constellation, take time to rejoice. Um, I tell my clients, mm-hmm. hey, if you do something positive and you're doing something well, treat yourself, celebrate, positive reinforcement. Okay, so treat yourself when you're doing well. Seek out where there's resistance and conquer and destroy that resistance. Don't stay don't stay still. And the third part is if you're noticing you're still or you're coasting, ask yourself, am I avoiding or am I numbing myself to something? And then mm-hmm. find a counselor, coach, or a spiritual director to help <laughs> you through that. Nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, I think for me what's ringing in my head, just that mundane that's when growth can happen as long as we're showing up we are doing the maintaining not the coasting we're putting in the faithfulness work that's when we become stronger so that we can then encounter those tough times because we know they're coming we can embrace them and say that's all you got with that we probably should wrap it up before we go into another thing (laughs) 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 so everyone thank you so much for listening please subscribe and leave a review and we hope you'll join us for the next episode of who you're gonna call